just like talk for a couple minutes so I can test our audio at like your normal volume. Okay. Um, check, check, one, two. Check, check, one, two. On a scale of one, <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you for more Kim Crawfish line? <laughs> <laughs> on a scale, honestly, on a scale of for to scales, I prefer scales. Actually, if you're on public transit right now, get off. Get off. It's not safe. <laughs> Just one person Go alone. Home. <laughs> one person alone on a bus with a party copper is like the saddest. <laughs> anyway, how is school? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds actually amazing, and I wonder what that bus driver would think. Um, school is alright. It's been a lot. That's part of why I've been gone for so long. Um, so I'm really happy to be on a break. I was also working full time and working a second job part time while I was in school full time. So, and we should say that the part time job was for school, so you were not being paid for it. Oh, no, and I mean, I also had a part time job in addition to that as well. Yes. <laughs> so, as you can tell, Hannah just had tons of free time and just chose not to be with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would just like. You know, I was just, like, sleeping so much that yeah. I couldn't bear to wake up to be a part of this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, so school is school. I'm just trying to get to the finish line uh-huh. so I can actually just start working. But we're getting there. <laughs> we are getting there. And one of the upsides to being on a break is we can, like, stock up a couple episodes, um... We're going to hopefully try to get back on a schedule of releasing every week. We're going to do our best. But as you guys know, uh, Hannah's been in school and scheduling is kind of tough. And for any of you that have gone back to school as an adult at any level, you know that it is just exhausting and hard to do anything else. So we appreciate everybody sticking with us and being understanding. Um, Yeah, I appreciate it a lot because I love doing the podcast and I want to get back to a more regular schedule, but... Um, and I'm hoping that we will, because, I mean, I did <laughs> lose my job <laughs> um, right before Christmas. So I think that's, I mean, like, in a good way. I think it's for, I think it's for the best. So I ha- will hopefully have a little more time for a little while, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I've been in a place, so, like... Not getting, like, super into it, but, like, I started school, I was working, I went through a breakup, 
a person very close to me was in a really, really bad accident and I was taking care of that person. Um, so, and then I just lost my job. So I'm trying to like get back to being like a fun version of Hannah. Um, but I don't think I had been that version of Hannah for a while while all this stuff was going on. And so I wasn't even comfortable like getting on the podcast for a while because I was like, I don't want to just be on the podcast and be like a huge bummer. Um, so I am the person who was very hurt is healed now for the most part and I'm going to therapy to talk about that experience of taking care of someone after an accident like that and I'm trying to get get back into life again. <laughs> well, I I feel confident saying I speak for everyone listening when I say that like of course we are sad when you're not on the show, but everybody just wants you to be doing well and doing what you need to do to take care of yourself. So, I'm glad that you are feeling like you're in a better place. And I kind of love that we like really left people on a high. Like we recorded <laughs> our 40th episode as a Halloween special and we were like Fuck yeah, Halloween! Hell yes! This is the best episode! It will never get better than this! And then we were like, see you guys in a couple of months. Everything is gonna be great. Um, but honestly, I feel like... Oh, truly, it was like... <laughs> oh my god. Because I was like... <laughs> when did we record that? Did we record that really early? Because... The accident was the end of September. The accident had already happened at that point. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay. I was just deeply in denial about how stressed out I was. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so for those of you, yeah. So that's why we didn't have you for most of October um, and, and November. And, well, we didn't have anyone. We also didn't have me. I like. I yeah. Hey guys, this will be probably shocking to all of you. Twenty twenty was a hard year. And, uh, <laughs> But yeah, we're very excited to be back with you all. Um, and you may be able to tell from our audio, it sounds a little different. Hannah and I are actually recording together in person. Fuck you, COVID. Um, Hannah and I were both not able to go home to Delaware for the holidays. So Hannah drove herself out from Chicago to Kansas City to be with um, my partner and I. <sighs> Excuse me. Oh my god, for once it wasn't me who burped! <laughs> oh my god! Um, now I feel like I have to burp so that people know that my burps are better than yours, but, because I usually try to keep my burps off the podcast. Well, I don't always edit them out, so people oh. have heard you burp. What? Uh, it's just proof that you never listen to what I release. I think I usually edit your burps out. It's fine. Anyway. <laughs> I can't listen to my own voice. It's weird. <laughs> Um, Plus, we're so boring. So Hannah and I I have been together for about a week. Um, Should we tell folks a little bit about our New Year's? I mean, we're in 2021 now, and um, obviously we didn't want to go out for New Year's, but we still wanted to uh, celebrate. So Hannah, why don't you tell people a little bit about what we did to ring in 2021? Uh, Well, do I start with... How 2020 ended? That is totally up to you. <laughs> um, As Hannah said, she really had a lot of shit going on I in 2020. I have had the best year of my life. Um, and it all ca- 
capped off with us going out for a walk or no going out um to pick up some like extra groceries and booze for new year's and then on new year's morning on new year's the 31st yes the 31st of december the very last day of 2020 hours before we start a fresh new year where your girl is like year of hand. I'm trying to get back to being a normal person again. And someone left a note on my car. So we get home and we're like, well, that's weird. And then we go check it out. And the car said, someone tried to steal, or the note said, someone tried to steal your tires this morning. So Which was odd. Which was odd. It looked very hastily written and in light, like, kind of hard to see. Like the pen was running out of ink or something. Um, and then we looked at all the tires. The tires seemed fine. One of them was kind of low, but that could have just been from, like, the change in weather and pressure from coming from Chicago. Um, but still, we were like, let's move the car to make sure it's okay. And I turned my car on, and I was like, oh, my God, my car sounds like it's going to explode. Like, it sounds like a motorcycle. I literally Googled on my phone, car sounds like a motorcycle. Um, and then I called my friend Ryan, um... Since I know, since I like knew he knows a lot about cars, um, and my friend Ryan was like, "Oh yeah, someone stole your catalytic converter," which also I'm proud of myself because I also realized that like I turned the car on, it didn't sound right. I looked under the car and I could see where like a pipe had been removed, <laughs> and there were like wires hanging down and shit. And I was like, to to Jeremy, I was like, "Is that normal?" That's not normal, right? There's no way that's normal. It should not look like this. Um, so yeah, we kicked off the end of 2020 by filing an insurance claim and a police report. <laughs> yeah, so then we were like, all right, well, now we're, there's nothing left to do but put on some wigs, do up our makeup. Wear the wildest outfits we've ever owned or put on our bodies. Ever owned. Um... I had to borrow Sophie's nipple covers. Um, it was great. Shout out to CVS nipple covers. Yeah, dude. I mean, I'm normally <laughs> very seriously um, loyal to Walgreens. But CVS nipple covers, changing the game. No joke. Also, fun fact about me. I've dated two different people who have worked at Walgreens. And <laughs> low-key, I have made them both wear their Walgreens vests in a sexual way. Wow. I hope I know you all missed hearing <laughs> Hannah's stories that are always so much more exciting than mine. <laughs> well, we had a great New Year's. I hope that you all did too. And um, we are here to talk about a movie that I'm so stoked to talk about with Hannah because as soon as it came out, I was like, I cannot wait to talk about this for the podcast. So today we will be discussing one of the last horror movies released in 2020, and that is Freaky. Directed by Christopher Landon and starring Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton. Hannah, do you want to synopsize or would you like me to synopsize? I think you're freaky and I like you a lot. So me? Yeah, you could go. <laughs> also, I have to tell you I'm very distracted by... So we got batter on her slipper this morning and it straight up looks like jizz. <laughs> Alright. I'm gonna... Listen. Hannah gave me fake nails. They are approximately seven miles long. I was trying to make a cake... This morning, while everybody was asleep with my giant-ass fingernails, and I dropped the wet ingredient bowl into the dry ingredient bowl, 
And it splattered cake batter everywhere. We're still finding cake batter in the Ew, room. splattered cake batter everywhere. Stop talking about your sex life, you dirty perv. Ugh, gross. <laughs> so anyway, this week we're talking about freaky. Um, people may or may not know Christopher Landon. Um, he is the genius who brought us both Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you. I also recently learned that he penned most of the Paranormal Activity sequels which I love, but Hannah has not seen because, as we all know, she don't fuck with ghosts. The bitch don't do ghosts. Um, also, whenever you say happy death day and happy death day to you, it makes me think of that part in, is it in Waiting? When they sing happy birthday to, like, a little kid and then Ryan, that's, like, at a, you know, like, Waiting when they're all, like, Bedigans yeah. and Ryan Reynolds, like, screams the last part into the little kid's face and he's like... Like, happy, happy birthday to you! <laughs> and the kid starts crying. Um, whenever I say the name of that movie, it makes me think of that Jeremy and I can never mention that movie and not say, like, hey, it's your birthday. I might not pick up the phone. Yeah. Um, okay. So this movie takes place in a small town called Blissfield. Um, I don't know if we ever learn where that is. I want to say Connecticut, but I might just be completely making that up. And there is an urban legend in this town of a killer called the Blissfield Butcher who kills misbehaving teens every year at homecoming. And Classic. He is played by Vince Vaughn, whose character name is just The Butcher. We don't ever get a name for him. Mm-hmm. And um, Catherine Newton is a high school student named Millie, and she has two friends named Josh and Nyla. And they, her friends really want her to, like, come out of her shell and sort of do things for herself. Millie's um, father passed away a year ago and her mom is struggling with alcoholism and her older sister who's a police officer really has no empathy or space um, for the mom, which is like, which is fine. They're all going, they're all <laughs> grieving. I didn't want to be like, her sister's such a bee. When like, I wear gray sweatpants, people cross the street, <laughs> which is fine. Um, <laughs> so anyway... Millie's friends really feel like Millie needs to start living her life for herself and not focusing so much on taking care of her mom and her sister and everyone else around her. And at the homecoming dance, um, or not the homecoming dance, my apologies, after the homecoming football game, while Millie is waiting for her mom to pick her up and her mom is passed out drunk at home, the butcher shows up, he chases Millie around, she is dressed as the high school mascot, which is a delightful choice. And he um, stabs her in the shoulder. But, unbeknownst to both of them, the knife that he used is actually an old Aztec uh, ceremonial dagger, and it made them switch bodies. And so they have 24 hours to make the switch back, which requires Millie, now in Vince Vaughn's body, to stab Vince Vaughn, now in her own body, so that they can switch back. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're at. Now, Hannah, I had watched Freaky once previously to when we watched it together, so um, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about this movie, which we're going to get into, but what did you think of Freaky? Um, I loved it. I thought it was so fun. It's like, oh, I just thought it was exactly what I wanted it to be and exactly, like, I think sometimes given the current state of the world, slashers are, like, less fun to me sometimes when it's, like, teenagers. Because I just, like, I'm like, oh, 
there's so many teenagers dying. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I, I feel sometimes like I have to kind of like get over that feat with a slasher that's like set at a high school. And so I do appreciate that this movie had just the right amount of camp and goofiness to it. That that helped me get over that hurdle like right away. Yep. Um, I mentioned before to you, um, I do think that the storyline of her of Millie's um, father passing and her mom's alcoholism was like not necessarily not necessary. Like I didn't need it, and I would have preferred it without it. Yeah, it's um, also kind of interesting because. In Happy Death Day, Tree's mom is dead, so she only has one parent, and I'm curious if that is a personal thing for Christopher Landon that he's trying to work through, or if it's just something that he's interested in, like, Mm -hmm. if if he's just sort of interested in grief. Like, I do find it interesting that the protagonists in both of these movies of his have characters. Yeah, they have to, like, confront some level of grief. I don't know, because I worry that sometimes screenwriters just do that because it's easier than writing in multiple parents or sure. having to have to having to include parents at all. Yeah, or it just like removes an, a dynamic to like. Yeah, or there. it's like an easy way to make a character sympathetic, like right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I don't know. I feel like you know we really wouldn't need that, or like we would still feel for like Millie would still be the like an obvious final girl and everything without all that. But yeah, and I feel like it feels to me partly like it's in there to explain her mom's alcoholism because it seems like that happened afterwards but again you don't need the dad to be dead for the mom to be an alcoholic and the mom being an alcoholic is probably enough to make Millie a sympathetic character yeah well and because like part of the way that the that that her mom's alcoholism is like solved by the film is by Millie in Vince Vaughn's body basically like showing her mom the time of day and then her mom being like okay well maybe I'm ready to move on with my life which was not a scene that worked for me like I I would have preferred I don't know if that scene is I don't know if we're meant to interpret that scene as like having any impact on her but at the end her mom is like I'm ready for you to like go to college and live your life like her mom is like I realize like I need to let you have your own life like, I don't know. For me, I felt like that was, like, that was meant to be, like, how, part of how her mom realized. I guess that makes sense. To Also, it's wild to me that she would have been attacked by a serial killer that was still at large, and her mom would still go to work the next day. And she would go to school. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I mean, what? obviously, she goes to school, but she's actually been spawned. Um, but yeah, it feels strange. I guess that scene reads different to me because it feels like it's really about Millie being able to say the stuff to her mom that she needed to tell her before, but it's like safer to say it Mm -hmm. when it's not her. And she can say like... I know, but then her mom's reaction asking her on a date... Yeah, I mean, that's that's (laughs) the comedic value. I agree that that scene is strange. It's strange. Um, It doesn't work nearly as well as... The other scene where they do that, which is, like, the best scene in the whole movie. Yeah. So, I also love this movie. Um, I have already stated to uh, my partner, who, since the last time we recorded, is now my fiancé. Wild. Oh, and she... Um, <laughs> Wait a period, Lonely! 
you got a ring on that finger with them seven mile nails. I do. So I had so I had said to to my fiance, and I think I said to you that like I think for me, I think I actually like this movie better than Happy Death Day, which in no way is a negative against Happy Death Day. I love Happy Death Day. I have seen it more than five times. I will continue to watch it over and over again. It's just that for me, I think because of how successful Happy Death Day was, I think Christopher Landon was able to do a little bit more. Like, I think this, for me, is more fun as a slasher. Like, this movie has bananas kills in it. Mm -hmm. The kills in this movie are so over the top, and some of them are super fucking gory. Yeah. And, like, I love Happy Death Day, um, but it was fun to get to see someone who clearly has a really good sensibility about old horror movies get to do the kind of kills you would see in an old slasher movie. Like, so many of these kills feel like Friday the 13th. I mean, you have a person Mm -hmm. get killed in a cryo chamber and then, like, falls out and just, like, becomes dust like the chick in Jason X who gets her head shoved in liquid nitrogen and it's just... Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's really fun. And this movie has so many references to classic horror movies Mm -hmm. that are just... Wonderful. I think that's part of what makes it so fun is that it's like it's really it really like doesn't take itself too seriously um, but it has such a good sensibility about what horror fans want to see mm-hmm. um, but also just like what a mainstream audience will want to see as well um, but I think especially like knowing what horror fans want to see from this kind of a movie, it's like it, it's exactly perfect for that, mm-hmm. and I think a big part of that too is like with what you're saying, the references and kind of like nods to, to classic moments and or just like the vibe of other movies or like one thing that we kept joking about is how like Vince Vaughn as the butcher like will straight up run mm-hmm. on multiple occasions. Which is so scary because he's a big dude. He's a huge person. And yeah. to see that is so scary. And it's funny because, like, there's one moment where he's, I think it's when he's first chasing Millie, um, where he is walking slowly, but then he just starts, like, sprinting towards her. And we were, cause, and it was funny because Jeremy was like, oh, he's going to do the Michaels Myers walk. And then we were like, oh, no, he's running. He's running. And I, so I love the way that there's, like, a little, like, an acknowledgement or, like, a knowingness of being, like, oh, this is what normally we do. And then being, like, but look, he's running. Like, mm-hmm. wait, wait. Yeah, exactly. And I, like, even just in the cold open, so I told my fiancé, Jeremy, right before we started recording that, like, I was going back through my notes that I took while we watched this together, and I was like, some of these notes, I don't even know what I was talking about. But, like, even just in the opening, I remember, um, for anyone who has never watched a movie with me in person, I'm so fun to watch a movie with me because I just, like, talk the whole time if I've already seen it. So, like, during the cold opening, I just remember, like, screaming, like, that's a screen reference, that's a Halloween reference. Like, yeah. you just get these, these references that are so good, and, like, yeah, I get it, some people... Some people are very sick of the, like, Michael Myers head tilt. I get it. They overdid it in the Halloween franchise, and other franchises have since done it to just be like, we've seen a horror movie before. But, like, it was so satisfying to see him, like, stab a woman onto the wall like he does with 
bob, and we get like her feet go limp, light bob, and then the head tilt. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was more than just the head tilt, and it was so genuine. Yeah, and seeing the scream reference too, where it's like that scream is a movie that like um, I think doesn't, even though it has had such a massive impact on horror movies, especially like on meta horror movies since it came out. Like, we don't see visual cues to it that often. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, the way that this opening is set up, where it's a bunch of kids drinking together, and at the end, there's only one girl left alive, and then we have her parents, like, pulling down the driveway, like, the Beckers, and they are also not in time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just such a cool move. Um, so, bef- while we're on the opening sequence, I do want to nod to, like, one thing. So, this movie is... Written by two dudes, directed by a dude. It is important to note that both of those men are queer. So I think, like, a lot of the... I think we're going to talk a lot about gender stuff in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of the gender stuff really works for me in a way that... I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it wouldn't if it was written by straight dudes. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of those things that that is, like, immediate is um, the sequence in the opening where the couple, the teen couple, is having sex and, like the girl finishes and the guy doesn't and she's just kind of like okay I'm over it and starts to leave and he's like I'm gonna get blue balls this is so inconsiderate and she's like oh yeah because dudes are always so considerate yeah like I feel like this movie does such a good job of telling you from the jump what it's gonna be because the opening has some really gory kills in it and you Mm -hmm. get some like women kind of being like fuck that it's bullshit and I was like hooked Immediately. Yeah. Yeah, but in but you still get the classic slasher thing of like they're they're fucking, they're having a party when their parents aren't home. Mm-hmm. Like and they're all now they're all gonna and die. You know they're all gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> so you still get the you still get the classic that we're familiar with, but then you also get the little twist on it too with her being like like Fuck you, I'm good. Like, yeah. I finished, I'm good. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so it's sort of like, you and I talk about this a lot, but a moment that we both love in, like, horror movies in general of, in the remake, or not remake, the sequel, whatever you want to call it, for The Town That Dreaded Sundown, mm-hmm. where there's a character who is having, has, like, just had sex, and she's about to be chased, and she grabs a shirt, and, like, throws a shirt on and runs with the shirt on. And when we both first saw that movie, we were like, I love that they chose to do that. And then they didn't just have her run with her tits out. They didn't pull a, fr- a My Bloody Valentine 3D where they were like, let's have her run around in 3D completely nude in heels. Yeah, exactly. It's like, there was a there's a reference and a nod to the classics or, like, the way that we're, we like things to be done in our slashers. Right. But there's also a like, a consciousness to it to be, like, yes, they just had sex or, like, yes, she's in a bra or whatever, but it's, like, we're just gonna have her quick grab a shirt, toss it on, and run. Like, and this is a similar thing, I think, of, like, that little moment of being, like, yeah, we can still have those things that we love and still keep it, like, goofy in the way that we love, but we can also, like, play with that format to make it more empowering or, like, at least less, like, misogynistic. Yeah, less exploitative. Yeah, exactly. I mean, can we talk... It's funny because, speaking of um, things that happen 
things that I that happen too often in horror movies that happens twice in this horror movie and it has to happen because it's a movie and it has to but that girl in the opening sequence would have gotten away right Mm -hmm. like she has found a hiding spot that this guy's not gonna find it's a horror movie maybe he would have found it but like she comes out she hides for like 15 seconds and then she's like okay I'm safe now and then she gets murdered and then the same thing happens to Millie where Millie hides and then like I wrote down that Jeremy was like why doesn't anyone stay put for longer than 30 seconds like you can't just be like okay well it's safe to come out now and I know it has to happen because it's a movie and nobody wants to just watch someone hide forever and they have to get found and that's the whole thing but Oh, it drove me so nuts both times. Yeah. Well, and then I also have a question, too, and then we can stop talking about, like, the opening five minutes. But And also, <laughs> if you're not comfortable answering this question on the podcast, you can totally cut it out. But because I'm a, I'm a, I was a late bloomer and I did not have sex in high school, mm-hmm. I felt like the sex scene between the two teenagers was, like, pretty... I don't know, like, I started having sex when I was, like, in college, and I still feel like we didn't really know what we were doing, and, <laughs> I don't know, just the fact that they were, like, standing up at, next to a car, and he was just, like, behind her, mm-hmm. to me, and it was so fast, I mean, I guess it being fast, that tracks, but <laughs> the the positioning of that, to me, I was kind of like, high schoolers don't really have sex like that. <laughs> so, I have two minds about this. Um, I, I didn't have sex for the first time until I was almost out of high school and we pretty exclusively just did missionary. Yeah, I feel like um, that's like this, what people do, but well, maybe I'm wrong. Here's, here's what I would say. What maybe I would my say inner narrative like, showing. I also, um, I also feel like I am very interested in, um, like sex positivity for men and women, but especially for women and as such, like, have encountered a lot of conversations and research about the way that pornography impacts how young people think about sex, because, like, you're, because so much of sex ed in in the U.S. is not, Mm -hmm. like, sex is a normal thing and it's fine, and, like, consent is important, and, like, both people's pleasure is important. It's, like, very clinical, and, like, sex is bad, don't do it, but also blah, blah, blah. So I, I do feel like there, there have been studies about how, especially for teenagers and young people, how like viewing pornography affects the way that they would have sex mm-hmm. or like view sex or think that sex is supposed to be. And I recently listened to, um, there's a podcast I love called Ladies We Need to Talk that if anyone hasn't listened to, I would recommend regardless of your gender. And sort of the idea is, like, they cover topics about gender that don't get talked about often, be just because we live in a super patriarchal society. And this particular episode was a live panel they did about the orgasm gap between men and women. Mm. And one of the things that one of the panel members was a um, researcher, and she used to write, this whole podcast is Australian, she used to write a, a, a um, column that was kind of like a Dear Abby kind of column about sex. And she talked about the fact that, like, so many of the letters that she got were from teenage girls being, like, never wondering about themselves, being, like, Mm. I want to be attractive, I want to make him feel good, I want to, like, X, Y, Z. So I do feel like if you're a teenager and what you're being exposed to is, like, free pornography on the internet, 
Like, I wasn't watching porn on the internet in high school. Yeah. But I could totally see, as a high school kid, being like, oh, that's, like, really cool and hot, so I'm going to do that with my partner. Mm -hmm. You know? Which isn't to shame what they were doing or, like, any particular way of having sex, but to me it felt believable just because it's, like... Yeah. People, I mean, (laughs) we're not that old, but, like, kids, they have so much more access to technology than we did. Yeah. That, like, I don't, yeah, I find it believable that point. kids are just, like, have seen so much porn that they're, like, missionary. Nobody does that. <laughs> yeah, I but mean. But that's sad. Like, that bumps Yeah, me out. you're not wrong. I mean, it's actually, you don't watch, you didn't watch Euphoria, did you? Not yet, no. Um, there's a character on Euphoria where they introduce her as a sexual being originally from her ex-boyfriend's perspective Mm -hmm. and her ex-boyfriend's perspective is like she was perfect and immaculate she was a virgin when they met and she was amazing in bed and then later on they kind of get to her perspective and um it was like about how she like never had an orgasm and everything she does in bed is like she watches porn for hours yeah and it's like she watches porn for hours and not not for her own pleasure but for like to study it and practice like what to do yeah i would say to be honest like my question about that sequence would be more like how likely is it that she actually came from like just penetration while standing up some people can i sure yeah (laughs) but she was probably just like yeah i'm over it yeah um so, the I don't other, know. Personally, I'm more interested in like the Mark Wahlberg of <laughs> Deepwater Horizon, who's like, "Do you want the 30 seconds, the 60 seconds, or the 90 seconds?" Oh my god, we did just watch Deepwater Horizon, and <laughs> like, then I needed to like fly down and ice my whole face. I was so stressed. Out. <laughs> um, I do have one other Jeremy quote written down, which was that I don't know if you noticed this because you're not a Jeremy, and who would notice this? But when they when we first are introduced to Millie and her friends, and they pull up into the school parking lot. Everyone is parked, like, slightly <laughs> over the line in their parking spots. It's, like, the whole row. Everyone is, like, a little bit too far left. And Jeremy literally leans over to me and just goes, that's the real horror. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's my fiancé, everyone. Oh, like, my God. In the nutshell. I mean, honestly, when you just said it to me, like, high schoolers have so much, like, access to pornography. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh. Like, yeah. That's the true terror of this, of this film. Oh, for sure. Well, so, okay, let's get into this because at the heart, this is a movie about an adult man who murders teenagers. Hot. Who who has a... Just kidding. (laughs) Who lives in, like, an abandoned warehouse full of, like, bloody gross mannequins that he's mutilated. He switches bodies with a teenage girl. So, I feel like we could spend hours just talking about this part of the movie, but it is the main thrust of the film. Like, I love... The main thrust of the film? Squeeze me? Guys, it's almost like I forgot what it was like to have a conversation with Anna on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> you all can't see her, like, glazed over eyes. What? What do you mean? <laughs> glazed over eyes? You're just like... You're just like to the middle distance. <laughs> there it is. So, yeah, I want to start with this because, like, again, I think this movie very quickly establishes itself in a lot of ways, and one of those ways is the body swap. Because mm-hmm. 
Raise your hand if you've ever watched a body swap where a man and a woman swap bodies and they have to be like really gross and pervy about it. We've all seen it. We've all seen that. Even in Scooby Doo, which was for kids. Right. When Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar, who are married in real life, Mm -hmm. swap bodies, the first thing he does is be like, ooh, I get to look at myself naked. Right. Exactly. Like, it always has to be weird. And I love that. Like, they will, again, they will nod to that in this, right? Like, when the butcher wakes up in Millie's body and he's, like, very confused and disoriented, he does grab his boobs, but, like, it's not, it doesn't appear to be sexual at all. He's just like, what is happening? Yeah. He has the reaction that we all had when we got boobs. We were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, and because it's already established that, like, he hates teenagers, but especially, like, teenage girls. Right. So his reaction to it's his like angry. breasts is way more, like, what is this? This is disgusting. Or like, this is everything I hate. Yeah. Not like, ooh, yeah, titties. Exactly. And then we get the reverse <laughs> later. Sorry, I just thought about titties and kitty. I'm sorry. And then we get the reverse of that later when Millie goes to the bathroom in the butcher's body and she, like, can't. She keeps getting distracted and she's like peeing on the wall because she keeps turning her head. And then she just starts like swinging her dick back and forth and laughing at it. Like, it was so nice to see the tropes that we're used to with body swap movies, like, just kind of flipped. Absolutely. And, and I think that in the same way of the girl at the beginning making that comment about like, oh, and dudes are never inconsiderate. Mm-hmm. Like, her reaction to having a penis is like, this thing is so ridiculous. Right. And I think that that's also a very, like, smart moment of the writing. Mm-hmm. To be like, yes, it's it's funny, it's hilarious, like, to, to, to watch that. But it's also clever because, because so much of this movie is very aware of the patriarchy and, like, and aware of just, like, rampant sexism everywhere... I think it was smart to include it being like, this is what it's like to have a penis? It's so silly. Right. Like, that was also, I think, a great choice. Because it's just like, yeah, this is this is what we're all upset about all the time. Is like, what did she call it? Like a floppy something. I don't remember. I wish I could. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I think one of the messages that Millie learns throughout the movie, like, one of the things that we're supposed to get as we travel this journey with Millie is that, like, she's this very timid person, and being in this white male body that is, like, big and burly, she sort of discovers her sense of, like, autonomy and being able to speak for herself. And I think that's part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Is, like, when you, again, like, I don't want to read too much into this, but it feels so much like pulling the, pulling the wool off of your eye about just how stupid mm-hmm. patriarchy is. Like you said, where it's like, this is what all the fuss is about? Like, you get to be in charge because of this? This is ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and like, when she sees the way people react to her when they, when she's in Vince Vaughn's body, mm-hmm. and she's just like, wow. <laughs> like, it's so different to be a giant man. Right. And then to have that moment of, like, oh, this is what this is all about? Like, this is crazy. Right. Yeah, and it's great. And then we obviously get the reverse of it where we have Vince Vaughn in her body. Mm-hmm. And while he is physically limited, like, he has less physical strength than he's used to. So we see these, like, physical altercations where 
he goes in like confident and then remembers that like he's not right. as strong in her body. But we still have all these instances where even though he doesn't have the physical strength to back it up, he's used to being like a mm-hmm. six foot five cis straight white dude. So he talks to people really aggressively because that's how he's used to interacting. And so, and there's even a line later on where like Millie's love interest says to Millie and Vince Vaughn's body, like strength isn't about your body, right? Like it's about like your heart and your mind. And it's like about your attitude. Mm-hmm. And of course, as oversimplified, no one is saying that like physical strength doesn't play a role in a lot of scenarios. Right. But like, it's just such a nice, um, it's a great message. And I think they're able to communicate it, um, almost entirely. Like I could have done without that line from Booker being like, strength's not about this. It's in here. Cause it's like, yeah, but we're seeing that the whole movie. Right. Like it's so well illustrated the whole time. Well, I think it also opens up to go back to like what we talked about at the very beginning. I think it also opens up the movie to make like the extreme deaths of the teenagers mm-hmm. less like hard to swallow because the movie also is like the teenagers that are getting killed are like for the most part, especially like the guys are all trash. Yeah. Um but so there's a little bit of that too where you get to see like you get to see, like, which I also would give a lot of props to, um, what's the actress who plays Millie? Catherine Newton. Catherine Newton, because I think she does a great job, because mm-hmm. I think I very much believe her as, like, a quiet, shy girl, and then I also believe her very much when she's, like, um, being an adult man in a teenage girl's body. Mm-hmm. And so, like, her reaction to the men... Not even men, because they're, like, teenage boys. Right. Who are, like, attracted to her, but also not respectful of her, and are, like, at a at a point, like, very clearly going to assault her, mm-hmm. um, is very well played. Because it's, like, the man, like, realizing what's going on, and being kind of like, wow, what? That's crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a line that, like, I wrote down, but I honestly probably didn't even need to write it because it was, like, seared in my mind the first time we watched it, is, like, there is a scene where Vince Vaughn and Millie's body is at this, like, um, mini golf and arcade place with a bunch of football players, and one of them is hitting on her, and what she says, sorry, what he said yeah. in Millie's body to this player is... Your touch makes this pussy drier than sandpaper, you fucking monkey. I can't wait to kill you. Which is like, I don't want to overgeneralize. I'm going to just speak for myself. And that's after the he number, grabs her butt. Yeah. The number of times that I've wanted to say something exactly like that to men who have like said gross shit to me or made me feel unsafe or touched my body. Mm-hmm. Like, it is such a vindicating it is like it absolutely oh, like I'm getting I'm getting like warm just like thinking about it. It just like filled me with it was, you know, for me that scene was almost as impactful as watching, um, Kate McKinnon like lick the gun in Ghostbusters. It was like fuck yes, yeah. Like you tell him because you can. Like mm-hmm. that was amazing. Yeah, and I agree. It's like there's a realization that goes across her face, well, his face in her body, Mm -hmm. at that moment of, like, being like, oh, wow, 
he's grabbed like this person is grabbing me like this person is violating me mm-hmm. but then just being like uh yeah get the fuck out of here yeah um like right away and it is funny too because I feel like most men if they were not serial killers already they would probably be a lot more like shocked and horrified to wake up in a woman's body and be like groped and just like constantly right. sexualized. Right. Um, but even still, I think that that there is still like a moment of that too, which is appreciated for it to be like, whoa, what? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not used to this. Like, people people aren't allowed to treat me like this. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And being like, yeah, like just like what it would be like for a giant man to be put into like a small woman's body and immediately have a person like grab your butt because you'd just mm-hmm. be like, what? Like. I remember, and I don't remember if I told this story on the podcast before. I don't think so. But I was one time in, um, I was visiting one of my best friends in Madison because he was in grad school there. And um, I had driven there with two of my friends from Chicago who were going for like a big football game or something. I don't know. Which was really funny because my friend who invited me had obviously no knowledge of football. And so when my friends were like, oh, we're going too because it's like the biggest football game of the year. My friend that had invited me was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But anyway, um, my friend that I was visiting was, or is, um, queer like myself. So we were going to go to a gay bar in Madison. And we went and like, when we were at the bar, I went to get a drink for both of, both my friend John and I. And this guy came up to me and asked if he could buy our drinks. And I was like, oh, no, thank you. Like, I'm just getting it for me and my friend. And um, the dude was like, I'm just trying to buy you a drink. And I was like, N-. I was like, yeah, it's fine, though. Like, I'm just going to get it. Um, because I was visiting my friend and I didn't want to talk to this man. And I was like, leave me alone. And you don't owe anyone anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he basically was just like, ugh. And then, like, walked away. And then I got my drinks for my friend and I and went back to the table and whatever but like a good hour and a half later like I was wearing a I was wearing a bodysuit that night that had like a very low back it was like long sleeved and then had like a super low back so I didn't have a bra on with it and this fucking guy like when he went to leave my this time it was like my friend's turn to get the drink so he had like to get our drink so he'd gone to the bar and this guy fucking comes up to me and he's like, I just wanted to tell you, like, all at the same time. So at the same time as this man reaches into the back of my bodysuit and reaches around my body and grabs my full breast, which I have no bra on, just full breast grabs it. He also looks me dead in the eyes and says, before I go, I just have to tell you I think I'm in love with you. And then walks out. And then my friend is like at the bar, sees the whole thing, comes over immediately, is like, are you okay? I was like, I will be right back. I went to the bathroom. I bawled my eyes out for like 10 minutes. And then I pull myself together and I come back to the table. And my friend John was like, do you want to go home? And I was like, if I went home, every time a dude did something like that to me, I would never get to go anywhere. Yeah. And it's like, and my friend was just like, that makes me so sad. <laughs> and it's like, that, 
like in that moment in this movie, like I thought of that so much of it just being like what that is like for men to have to confront the idea of like how often and how violating those kinds of situations happen. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you that it's extremely satisfying to then get to see them all be like, like cartoonishly murdered. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I swear to God, I want to memorize what he said, like what Vince Vaughn in, Mil- in Millie's body said, so that next time some creepy guy says something to me, I can just be like, Yeah, exactly. You made my pussy drier than sandpaper, you fucking monkey. Yeah, well, because like, that's amazing. In that night, tattoo it on my face. Exactly. Like, you just want to have that, like, on a piece of, like, on a card. Like, how people give out you their business out. cards. You can just hand that out to people when they do that to you. Because also, like, Let's that. sell those. That experience, too, was, like, even more jarring because I was like, I am in a gay bar. Like, I'm not here for you, dude. Right. Like, why are you here? Right. Like, it was. And, like, that moment is exactly like that. It's like, it's like you know, in the movie, her saying that to him is, like, exactly what you're saying, where it's, like, it's all those things I wish I could say in those moments, because it's, like, I said, no, I don't want you to buy me a drink. I'm in a bar where I should feel comfortable to be, like, looking for someone who's queer or, like, the same sex as myself and not be worried about, like, being, like, aggressively hit on or groped and still, like, with all of those, like, indicators and right. signifiers, that person still feels entitled, entitled mm-hmm. to, like, touch my entire naked breast. But, yeah, and so that moment of this movie was very, like, A, I think it was really well done, and B, I think as a female viewer, very satisfying. Yeah. Let's talk about another scene that I think gave us all the feels in a different way, which yes. is, there's a scene later in the movie... So, Millie has a crush on this guy named Booker. Um, who's Booker! Last, his last name is Strode, like in Halloween. Um, there's Although, also, think about the name Booker Strode. Yeah, I know. There's, <laughs> but also, there's a Sheriff Bracken, so, like, I'm all about all of the Halloween love that this movie is. And there's getting. a girl named Ryler, which is not a real name. Um, nor is it a Halloween reference, so I don't even know why I brought it up. But, <laughs> um, but so, um, Millie has a crush on this guy, Booker, who's a football player. Booker! And eventually... <laughs> They bring him in to what is going on, and so there's a sequence where he is he is trying to help them, and um, Millie in Vince Vaughn's body is in the backseat of the car. She and her friend Nyla and Booker drive to the police department to try to get the dagger, and Nyla goes inside, and we get this scene of Booker and Millie in Vince Vaughn's body in the car, and like... This scene is everything. It's everything. It's everything. Like, it is, it is, like, it, again, it's not surprising that this was created by two queer men and not two straight men. Like, no part of this sequence is, like, um, is making light of the fact. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just shot and staged as, like, a very real and genuine, sentimental <laughs> first kiss moment. Mm-hmm. At no point is the movie like, ugh, it's two dudes kissing. Yeah. Like, of course it's silly, because, like, Millie is Vince Vaughn, so she's, like, a six-foot-five huge 
40 something year old man. Right. But also um, Vince Vaughn, to his credit, is like nailing it. it. Nailing it. it. And again, like he knows the movie he's in and he's not making it funny. Exactly. Like Vince Vaughn, sure, Vince Vaughn has been in stuff where he's not the guy from Wedding Crashers. He's been in movies where he's not a goof. I get But they it. also use his name in an episode of Happy Endings when Brad goes back to work and he's like, ah, uh, white men quoting like douchey movies, the white noise of the office, and someone goes, You my boy, Blue? And this one guy just pops up and goes, Vince Vaughn. Right. <laughs> I think it means even more knowing it's that character. Like yeah. knowing, knowing that like Vince Vaughn has made so much of his earlier career, especially on like listen, Wedding Crushers is a fun movie. I'm not here to shit on it, but like not it doesn't age well friends (laughs) it does not um so it's just like really fun and like this scene it it made me so emotional and made me feel like I was a high schooler like you know what I mean it it was it was perfect it's honestly like the same for me as like when we both so two things number one my friend in high school, Sarah, she used to refer to things of this nature as having heart sparkles or feeling heart sparkles. I love that. And I think that's exactly the feeling of this scene yep. is like, it's just so many heart sparkles. Um, but to like, to establish that, I was going to say, it's the same thing as when you and I both had the most heart sparkles ever mm-hmm. watching to all the boys I've loved because we were just like, oh my God, I am like 15 and I want... Like, I want this to be me and, like, yeah. everything about that. And it was so funny because watching this movie, I had the same feeling. The I same... never knew I would wish to be Vince Vaughn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, like, even when I was in high school, I didn't really have, like, like crushes on, like, super popular guys or anything. I mean, I guess I did. I don't know. My high school experience was weird. But, um... You and me both, like... For real. Um, so, like, obviously, it was never like this. Like, it was never like a movie, and I don't consider myself to have had those kinds of, like, tropes going on. But at the same time, when I'm watching it in To All the Boys I Loved Before, or to, in this movie, I'm just like, oh, I love it so much! Like, mm-hmm. oh, they're in love! <laughs> and I think especially in a movie genre that, like, gets a lot of shit that it deserves for being especially, um, like, homophobic or just kind of, like, like gay baby mm-hmm. or, um, very or heteronormative. Very heteronormative. It's really meaningful. This is such a meaningful sequence to be in, like, a wide-release, big-budget, big-studio horror film where... You know, I think I said up top, obviously we're talking a lot about gender, but, like, this movie does so many of these things, and I think if you're like us and you've watched a lot of horror movies, they may seem, like, super obvious, but I think for a lot of folks, they won't. Like, they will fly a lot more under the radar, and that makes them really meaningful to those people. Mm-hmm. Because, like, that's that's how you get the message in. It's like, people yes. are resistant, you need to just kind of, like... A a, a scene like that where it is written, directed, filmed, played, everything to a T Mm -hmm. to just be, like, normal Mm -hmm. and, again, 
genuine and earnest, I think is exactly what you do is is made is to normalize rather than to like draw attention to it. Yep. Which is exactly what they accomplish. Yeah. I do want to take a minute, and I think this is like related to what we've been talking about, but I think we should take a second to talk about like the physicality of both of their performances because mm-hmm. they both do such a good job. And I listened to an interview with Christopher Landon. I believe it was on um, Rebecca McKendry's podcast, although I listened to a few um, interviews with him last week, so I don't, I could be wrong about which interview this particular tidbit came from. But he talked about for him um, what he would do with both Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn was he would basically like have them get in character and keep like video diaries that were never intended to be in the movie, but then the other person got to watch them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think like they both nail it. Like Vince Vaughn's physicality, I think Catherine Newton's job is harder. Yeah. Um, but she does a really good job, and Vince Vaughn's Especially her running. Like, yes. her running is exactly like his. Mm-hmm. And I didn't notice it the first time, but I watched for it the second time because Christopher Landon talked about it in the podcast where he's like, if you watch the sequences later on where they're running, like, they're both mimicking the run they do in the initial kill sequence perfectly but mm-hmm. flipped. Yeah. Which, as a person who runs, I can't imagine trying to run a different way yeah (laughs) like that it's so cool and very effective and I just think they both did such a phenomenal job and And I think I took for granted how well she does the first time because it's so much smaller like there's less obvious stuff for her to do but the subtle stuff she does is amazing well because I think with both of them like with both of those actors like they really succeed in being two completely different people Mm -hmm. and like Vince Vaughn is very scary when he's the butcher, but he's yep. very endearing when he's Millie. Yeah. And, it, and vice I, versa. Yeah, such that I think I told you, like, I felt sad when they killed the butcher, even though, like, we know he's a bad guy, but, like, Vince Vaughn has been our protagonist for so much So, yeah, exactly, yeah. It's so enjoyable, though. Like, tip to taint. It's just a good time. <laughs> well, Hannah, did you have a favorite kill from this movie? Um, since there were so many good ones, that's, yeah, I was gonna say that's so hard because there were so many good ones. I think mine is probably the three like football players, mm-hmm. um, in particular because um, one of them she just punched, and we were like, oh, so what? That guy just died from getting punched, and then when it showed them later, we were like, oh wait, I guess she cut his head off too. <laughs> Yeah, those three So guys, I love that. One gets his head cut off, one gets a chainsaw to the dick, and another one gets a massive fishing hook through the eye. I love this Yeah. One. Yeah. So I love that whole sequence, and then it made it even funnier when they come upon it later, mm-hmm. and one of them was headless. It was like, okay, so she also cut that guy's head off so after that scene was over. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that was mine. I'm torn because I think the one that everyone's going to remember from this movie is the shop teacher getting killed on the table saw. Yeah. Which was awesome. Awesome. And it's like such a great scene just because it's the first scene where we really see um, Vince Vaughn and Millie's body fighting in Millie's body and realizing Mm -hmm. that like he's going to have to get creative about how he wants to fight. But honestly, I think my favorite kill in the whole movie is the first one where the guy 
where Vince Vaughn shoves the wine bottle on the guy's throat and then breaks it. Oh, like, gross. Like, in his throat. Yeah, that was gross. It was so fucking disgusting, but so effective. And I assume this was unintentional, but I'm going to just put out into the universe that maybe it wasn't. But it reminds me of a kill in one of my, like, favorite guilty pleasure, terrible horror movies, which is um, Sorority Row, which I forget uh-huh. to Yes, of course. I've never done an episode on Sorority Row. We're going to do that sometime. Um, Oh, my God. I love that movie. Like, it's trash. So bad. I love it. Shwayze did, like, the official song for that movie. I know. That's how bad that movie is. Our brother once punched him in the face face by accident in a mosh pit. There you go. Um, But there's a scene in that movie where a girl gets killed by someone shoving a bottle down her throat. Yeah. So when they do that in this movie, I was like, oh, it's like Sorority Row. And then they take it one step further by shattering the bottle, which is, like, so disgusting. But I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Um, Okay, Hannah, we've established in the episode that we already recorded that's going to release after this that you can no longer drink Bloody Marys. (laughs) But that's still the rating scale we go by. So out of five, how many Bloody Marys would you give Freaky? Um, you know what's funny? When we were, before we started talking about it, I was thinking I was going to give it like a four out of five. Mm-hmm. Then we started talking about it, I was like, man, I might give this movie a five. And she never gives five. I know, because it was really, really fun to watch. I, I feel like I see myself buying this movie and watching it over and over and over Same. again and showing it to people who haven't seen it. Same. And... Yeah, so I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna give it the full five. What? What? That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna throw a real curveball. Five out of five, especially because of the catharsis. <laughs> I'm gonna throw a real curveball and not give this movie a five. What? No! But I'm gonna give it a four point five. So okay. we're basically equal. Um, listen, I hope that. <laughs> If you've listened, if you've stuck with us this far, you probably know that me giving a 4.5 after everything else I've said does not mean that I don't like this movie. I fucking love this movie. You hear like, her first. Sophie hates this movie. <laughs> I think there are things that could have been smoothed out. Like, I think your point about the, like, sequence between the mom and Vince Vaughn is accurate. And I also think that, like, I love that her best friends are a black, a black girl and a gay guy, but, like, they get tokenized a little bit. Like, I think they're not... They obviously aren't supposed to. It's very... They are clearly put there intentionally to right. be like, let's have a diverse friend group, but they do both kind of get yeah. whittled down just well, because they don't both, get a lot of screen time. We both had reactions to scenes involving the police and just being like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so... I can't go full five, but I'm so very close. I would like even almost go four point. Now you're making me feel like I need to go down. No, you gotta stay where you are. You gotta listen to your heart. Eyes first, head first. I do think that we should also wait. Eyes do. first, heads first. Can't what? <laughs> wait, what? I just say eyes closed, head first. Can't lose. It's from Friday Night Lights, or so I've been told. I've never seen that show. That's what I think every time I go down on a girl because you start with butterfly kisses. For anyone that's not watching, Hannah is winking at me, and it is... All I can say to you is, my pussy has never been dry. Oh my god. Ew. (laughs) Also, I'm joking. I don't do that. Um, (laughs) Or does she? I do think we should mention that we both felt like the movie, as great as it is, was a little tone deaf with 
the because her sister is a cop mm-hmm. and there was a moment in particular where she was like well in the beginning of the movie Vince Vaughn is like literally attacking has just stabbed her sister has just stabbed her sister and she doesn't even shoot him she fires a warning shot into the sky into the sky and then later in the movie and lets him run away and lets him run away mm-hmm. And then later in the movie, she discovers, like, the only black character going through a desk drawer and pulls her gun on her immediately. Mm-hmm. And I both think, I think that we both agreed, like, we didn't love that. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, I think that that's something that's important that is mentioned. Yeah. As much you know, as we I- love the movie and it's a great movie, mm-hmm. I think it is still a movie that's being made in the world that we live in. So the relationship between the white characters and the black characters and the police were mm-hmm. very different, mm-hmm. and at the same time were not acknowledged at all in their difference. And so I think you know. That I was. think that's. A, I'm really glad you brought that up. I think that's a very good point. Yeah. Um. Because it was. Oh my god! Thank you. It's because I'm in watch. grad school now. If you haven't heard. Oh my god. So anyway, um. Just in case you guys forgot, Hannah is in grad school and she's crushing it. Um, but since this is our first episode back in a minute, and because it's our first episode of the new year, we thought that we would do something a little different for in later news. And Hannah, I just want to know something that you're looking forward to going into 2021. Like, I'm not necessarily all about New Year's resolutions because I think like if there's a thing you want to change, you can do that at any time. And I feel like especially this year. I think we've talked about the fact that especially this year, there's going to be a lot of pressure on people to be like, it's 2021, lose all that COVID weight. And I'm like very, I think I'm especially resistant to resolutions this year because of that toxic nonsense. Um, So I just want to know like something that you're looking forward to going into 2021. Um, I think like, you know, I don't want to, not to be, I don't know. I don't know how to preface this exactly. I, I know that 2020 has been absolute garbage for everyone and that it's like a horrible, it's been a horrible year mm-hmm. and there's so much awfulness. Um, I think as part of that and just as part of everything that was going on for me personally in 2020, um, like to be fully honest, like I feel like I lost myself a lot in the last year Um, and so something that I'm really looking forward to and also really like, like working towards is like getting, like finding myself again and feeling comfortable in like being myself again and not just like (laughs) shoving all my feelings down deep because it was a bad time. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think like to be selfish in my, like, what I'm looking forward to, um, is I'm really looking forward to, I guess, to being a little bit selfish, because I really, like, lost track of myself and everything that was going on, so I'm, like, excited to remember why I love myself. Mm-hmm. And this is just your, um, social, social work sister telling you that self-care is not selfish. That goes for all of you listening. Taking care of yourself is really important. And it's not selfish to... Goes for all of you jerking off to this right now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe taking care of yourself at this moment is a little selfish because we are trying to talk to you, but, you know, you do you. I mean, at a Um, brunch? Like, really? (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
I'm going to say something that I think will for sure apply to both of us. Um, Hannah and I have both not seen our parents mm-hmm. or our brothers since last Christmas. Um, so what I'm looking forward to the most in 2021 is being able to hug our parents whenever that happens. Oh like I just... Yeah. yeah. I'm like scared to say it out loud in case like we still can't. <laughs> I mean... We either go in the wintertime after a quarantine, or we wait until we get a vaccine, but either way, it should happen this year. Yeah. Um, the longest we've ever gone without seeing our parents. Yeah, by, like, a lot. So, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm just going to slap my mother across the face, just because I can. <laughs> and I will record it. At the end of it. <laughs> um, well, thank you guys so much for being with us. I'm sorry that we haven't been with you in a little while, but we're super stoked to get back. We already have like a pile of movies that we've already watched. So we will have several exciting episodes coming out for you, including a special mini episode that's going to get released tomorrow. Um, just all kinds of great shit. So uh, hang with us and we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, and also, I'm not sorry. Did you listen to this podcast? I got a lot of shit going on. <laughs> Be cool, man. Be cool. Um, Hannah, do you have anything you want to tell the people? Anything they may have forgotten since our last uh, recording? OMG, yeah. It's been so long and, like, your girl be out here in the world single again and, like, you can never forget to always pee after sex. Click!